me. Uh, I'm Nate Menor. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, so we're starting this series, Life at Lakeside, which kind of connects with uh, connects, huh? uh, connects with the larger uh, sort of goal of what we're doing, these new categories that we're trying to, to roll out. The thing is about Lakeside is that we try to root everything that we do in Scripture. Like Bible's actually our middle name, right? Like Lakeside Bible Chapel. So we try and make that really a, a priority. And so when we launch something like this, we don't want it to be that you guys are like, why? Why do we do this? What does it matter? I don't see that. I, I, we, want it to sh- we want to show sort of biblically the reasons why. And so as we go through this series, you're going to hear a lot of the things that you've heard from this pulpit before. A lot of the things that we've, we're saying here are things that we've talked about that are priorities because they are biblical. We're just kind of recategorizing them for our convenience, I would say. Um, they're important and we're going to talk about them and we're going to keep talking about them regardless of whether or not we have these categories for the next 40 years or if these categories disappear very quickly, which I don't want that to happen. We're putting a lot of work into these because we do think that they're important. We do think that the things that we're talking about here are are a priority. We want to go into scripture and say, this is what we see and so this is what we're going to try and do. Uh, and so I'm, we're going to challenge you guys. We're going to have applications every week that rather than being sort of abstract, which we tend to do some of the time, we're going to try and keep them very specific, very focused on what we can do, what our personal next step is at Lakeside Bible Chapel, rather than just sort of, you know, kind of what's out there that I ought to be doing in my brain. Uh, so to move from that sort of level of abstraction down into suspe- specifics, ugh, the first thing that we need to talk about is how we connect. There's multiple parts of this connecting. Uh, Part of this is we connect to Jesus, which is the first step always. Uh, And then another part of it is us connecting with one another, Uh, being a part of the community of God, being a part of of the people that, that are trying to follow God, right? So we talk about finding and following Jesus. Connecting is the helping each other part. We say, you know, that's kind of our tagline, right? Helping people find and follow Jesus. So if we're going to help each other do that, we have to have some level of relationship with each other. And so this connection that we're going to be talking about, a lot of that is, is that piece of it. Some of this is very surface level. It's saying hi in the lobby to the people that you know, right? Like just, hey, how are you doing? Because we know that we both attend the same church. Some of it is, is very, very deep, right? Like confessing sin and pouring out prayer over someone that's struggling with a hard time. Like that's, that's sort of the range of connection, right? And so we're going to talk about that uh, this morning uh, just in a little bit more depth. So we're going to start though by talking about belonging to Christ and to the community of God's people. What we would call the community of God's people is the church. When I say the church, I don't mean Lakeside Bible Chapel as the only church. Uh, I mean the church globally. That means everyone that follows Jesus everywhere on the planet and actually everywhere in history. Uh, We're not going to talk about all of them. We're going to try and talk it a little bit more specifically about where we're at here. But if you're a part of the global church, then this is still a thing that needs to be important to you. You need to make a priority of connecting with other people that are part of the global church. And we would say that we, as a local expression of the global church, try to build those relationships in. So we want to offer opportunities for people to have those connections here at Lakeside. But the first thing is that you have to actually connect to Jesus. So I'm going to let Paul explain what connecting to Jesus really is really quickly. If you want to turn with me to Ephesians 2, we will start there. I am talking really fast. I'm going to pump the brakes here. Okay, we're going to slow down because we all know I have that problem. 
All right. The old people are laughing. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and the sins in which you once walked. Okay. Hang on, go back. I want to talk about that for a second. <laughs> okay, so we're dead in our trespasses. That's our natural state. So when we're born, we don't have a connection to Jesus. We are dead. We're dead spiritually. And we deserve to be dead physically because we are dead spiritually. And that's the choice that we make. We were dead. That's the point. That's where, where we start. And Verse 2 and 3, if you read through it, talks about that we deserve to be dead, that we don't have the desire to follow God, that we don't actually care about what God tells us to do. We're just like, I'm going to do my thing because that's what I chose, and that is rebelling against God, and that's where we end up. We start off spiritually dead, we end up physically dead as the extension of that. Move down to verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so we're dead, and then those really cool two words, but God, right? God made a decision that he didn't want us to stay dead. And so Jesus came to earth out of love for us, and he died on the cross for our sins, in our place, so that we don't have to be dead anymore, right? God did the work. He said, I know that you're dead, but I love you, and I don't want you to stay dead. And so he moved us. He made us alive in Christ, and he elevated us to sit with Christ Jesus. We have spiritual life as a result of what Jesus did on the cross, right? I should be getting a bunch of amens there. Just so you guys know, that's really cool, right? Like, that's why we're here this morning. Okay, so Jesus made us alive. We have this relationship with Jesus because of what he did on the cross. He made us alive. Okay, verses eight and nine. For by grace you have been saved by faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So the fact that we are saved, the fact that we have life in Christ, the fact that we have this relationship with Jesus isn't because we're awesome. It's because God is awesome and he gave that to us, right? That's, that's the point of it. And so what that means is that I can't screw up what God did, right? Like if God's the one that saves me, he knew my sin, he took that on himself, I'm not gonna be able to ruin that. I just have to trust that his work is sufficient for me. I can't screw it up with my sin, I have that relationship with Jesus because he did the work. So our connection with Jesus, when we first come to him in faith, we're like, okay, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm kind of a mess. I need you to fix me. He comes into our lives. He saves us from our sin. He brings us into his family. He gives us, he seats us in heavenly places like the verse said. He says, you're now a member of the family of God. You have all of those blessings. And we don't necessarily realize all that that means. Like we have all this that God just gave us and it's kind of like, okay, I guess I have this. And it takes us a while to sort of live into the truth of what God has done for us. That's a lot of Christian growth is just saying, oh, this is another thing that God did for me. This is another thing that God did for me and recognizing that and then trying to live it out in our lives. And so what happens is when we become a part of that family of God, we become part of the global church that I talked about a second ago, right? So the global church is this, all the people that have that relationship with Jesus on the planet. And so we have relationships with one another. And we're going to talk about that in a second. There's a couple of metaphors 
sort of stories or examples that the Bible uses to help us explain what we have become. So we are part of the church. This is who we are now. This is our identity. And the Bible says, I'm going to give a couple word pictures for, uh, for you to understand what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. So we're going to talk about three of those. The first two really quickly. The third one we'll probably deal with in a little bit more depth. So the first metaphor is the bride of Christ. So scripture says this, actually John loves to write about the bride of Christ. He's the one that sort of introduces the concept in the New Testament. There's a lot of it in the Old Testament we're not going to deal with. But then in, at the end of Revelation, he really kind of digs into this. Um, Paul also talks about it. Paul does this weird thing in Ephesians 5, if you've ever read it, where he's talking about marriage and you're like, okay, I'm following you on marriage. And then he's like, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have no idea what's going on. It's, it's one you have to read very carefully from back to front and then from front to back in order to understand it. We're not dealing with that one today either. Uh, I just want to use an example of this uh, from Revelation chapter 19. So Revelation chapter 19, starting in verse 7, it says this. Let us rejoice. So this is at the end of time, right? Like everything has happened that's going to happen in time and we're moving into eternity. Let us rejoice and exalt and give glory and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride, that's us, the church, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and pure. So the focus of the the church being the bride of Christ is that we have this final purity in eternity future and that we have this very close intimate relationship with Jesus. So when we see bride in, in scripture, it starts off in the Old Testament. It's kind of messy. It's clearly a bad marriage and Jesus just keeps putting the work in. But in the end of time, the bride of Christ were presented to him without sin, we're totally perfect. We stand before him with a much closer level of intimacy than we have ever experienced with him before. So, so bride of Christ, when the, we see the church as the bride of Christ, it's this intimate, holy relationship that we have with Jesus. That's, that's sort of the summary of it. And, and that's important because that grounds our identity as the church. All the other metaphors of church have to start with our relationship with Jesus. Right? So that's the starting point. So when we understand the first metaphor is we have this perfect, pure, intimate relationship with our creator, that's, that's what it means to be the church at a very base level. So that's, that's the first metaphor. The second metaphor is very common. Uh, we see this a couple times, and we've actually preached on it recently. Uh, temple, the temple of God. Uh, Paul uses this a bunch just sort of like in passing. He just assumes that we understand what he's talking about. Um, and we preached on it last year. Uh, it was a while back, actually. It was a year and a half ago. <laughs> February of 21. We were in 1 Peter, and we talked about this in a little bit of depth. If you want to go back and watch the YouTube of that, you can. I'm not going to re-preach that. So I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. It's just a little bit down where we were from when we talked about being connected to Jesus. Uh, verse 19, it says, So then, so based on the fact that we have this relationship with Jesus... You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So, 
With this metaphor, Jesus is the cornerstone. He's sort of the basis that everything else is measured off of. And so we, we build ourselves as a community around who Jesus is and what he's done. And as we build ourselves in alignment with Jesus, we become this beautiful building that's a temple that, that glorifies God. So if you've ever been like in building, right? Like if you, you see they've got, they start out with the foundation, they build it. If the foundation is square and true, then the rest of the building has a good chance of being safe and, you know, structurally sound. You have to start with that good foundation though. So Jesus is the cornerstone. That's the thing that everything else is measured from, that everything else is based on. And then because of that, we fit together in a unique and beautiful way. So even though there's lots of different parts of the building, right? You've got there's the foundation, then there's the floor, there's the walls, there's windows, there's doors, there's a second floor sometimes, you've got roofing. All those are different parts, but as they are built to, on the foundation well together, they become this beautiful building together. And so that's another metaphor for the church. The third one is the one we're going to dig into today, and we're actually going to deal with it later on in the series as well. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians 12. The third metaphor is the body. So the body of Christ. There's a lot of different layers to this, uh, and I'm not going to dig into them all today. But really, a big piece of being the body of Christ is that we're unified and that we are connected to one another in a unique way. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Just as the one body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, through, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So when we see one body, that's not Lakeside Bible Chapel exclusively. Lakeside Bible Chapel is a part of the global body of Christ. But what he's saying is that the global body of Christ, everything connects back to Christ, and we have a relationship with one another globally because of who Jesus is. Now, it's really, it's a little bit easier sometimes to see that at Lakeside Bible Chapel because we look around and we know where each other live, right? Like there's, there's geographic affiliation. We both live in, we all live in Metro Detroit for the most part, right? Uh, there's other things that we're connected with, right? Every half the church works for GM and everybody else supports that half. Um, <laughs> It's true, though. Uh, so we have all these different connections that are just sort of natural, uh, but that's not the part that we're really built around. We're built around the fact that we are connected to Jesus, that Jesus is the head of the global church. And so what that means is that we have deep spiritual connections with people that we don't know across the globe. Right? Like, we don't just have relationships with one another. We don't just have those connections. We literally have spiritual connections with every person that has a personal relationship with Jesus, no matter where they live on the planet. Right? So in some ways, in spiritual, like there's a real way in which I am more connected to some random person that I haven't ever met that lives in North Africa that has a vibrant relationship with Jesus than I am to my cousin who lives in Port Huron that doesn't know Jesus. Right? Like, I have that connection. And if I ever meet that person on this planet, I know that I have a deep spiritual connection because they know Jesus, 
I know Jesus, we both love him, and we want to live our lives following him. And that per, that's the foundation for our relationship versus my cousin who he just wants to hang out on his boat and drink, right? Like I don't have the same, even though we share DNA and we grew up in similar families and all this kind of stuff, it's different. There's a different thing that there. And so the struggle really is that we have to live into that connection, Like we have that. Jesus gives that to us. That's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. But I have to figure out how to make that work in my life. I have to live that out. Paul continues with his thought uh, about the body. Uh, If we turn to, to verse 24, the second half of verse 24, it says this. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so what he's saying is that we have this unity, these relationships in the body of Christ. And so we don't necessarily know and understand everything that's happening with the global church, but we try and live it out practically with the Christians that we know, whether that's here at Lakeside or you know a believer at work or you you connect with them at your kid's school or whatever that is. Other believers that we know, we still have that relationship, but we try to live that out as best we can. We rejoice with believers that are experiencing good times in their lives, right? And we celebrate because that's a good thing for them. And we love them because we have this connection. And if people are struggling, then we sort of wrap our arms around them and walk beside them and help them get through those hard times. We're connected. We're spiritually connected to one one another, and we try to live that out. So a couple years back, um, I was running. I was trying to run to increase the distance that I run. And I had this issue with my ankle. I would get about two miles in and it felt like if I turned it sideways at all, like I was gonna break it. Like it would just lock up and I could move like straight forward in a line, but I would have to almost stop in order to turn, right? It was really hard. Um, And so I went in, I didn't wanna go to the doctor, so I went to the chiropractor. I'm like, so can you like pop something or like jerk something and make it so that it works again? He's like, oh yeah, I can do that. So then I'd go in, you know, every other week basically and he'd pop it and then it would work again. And then a couple weeks later, I would feel it lock up again. So I was doing this and it was really frustrating because I'm trying to train for like a race and, and it's not working. And so then I went in one day and the regular guy wasn't there, it was this other guy. And he was trained as a massage therapist and a chiropractor. And so he's like, oh, that's your problem. Oh, well, you don't have to keep coming in for that. I'm like, I actually do. It keeps happening, right? He goes, we can fix that. So he he kind of like pokes around and then he like grabs my calf like right here. He goes, does this hurt? I'm like, oh, yes, that hurts. That hurts terribly. What did you do, right? And he just kind of like massaged it, that one little spot there. And he's like, okay, I think you should be good. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, no, it totally fixed it. So because my calf, I didn't have an ankle problem. I thought I had an ankle problem, but I had a calf problem where this one part of my calf was locking up and then that was connected to this other tendon that connected to my ankle that locked my ankle up. My ankle was the symptom, but my whole body's connected to it, right? And so then the fact that my calf was the problem, it, 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 it showed itself in a different spot. That's really kind of the way that the body of Christ is. We're supposed to be working together. We're supposed to be cooperating. If you're struggling, other people feel that pain. 
And that's not to like blame you or accuse you or anything, but recognize because we are connected, if you're going through something, other people feel that pain and that's good. They need to be there to support you. They need to protect you. I didn't know that the part was hurt was actually hurt because the rest of my body was trying to protect it. Right? And so that, that pain, even though like, you're like, oh, I don't want to make anybody else feel what I'm going through. Like, no, the body of Christ works together. We're supposed to protect each other. We're supposed to defend each other. We're supposed to be there for each other when we're suffering. And then as we go through those things together as a body, we can help each other heal because if I'm okay, I'm, I'm kind of carrying the load. I can do that because I know that you're suffering. I know that you're hurting. I can come alongside you and help you out. That's the point of, of what it means to be the body. So we're connected to each other, we feel each other's pains, we support each other, we're there for each other. That's, that's a big piece of what the body of Christ metaphor is. And, and it happens like, we, we recognize this with our body, right? Like we get something that goes wrong, and, and as long as we kind of protect that, it, our body will heal itself. I don't have to like think if I've got something like, oh, how do I make this heal? I got a scratch. Like, no, it, it will pull around itself. It will figure it out and it will heal itself. As the body of Christ, we have that ability to sort of gather around each other and help each other heal. We can do that for each other. So I, I want you this to be the takeaway from the body. Practically loving one another like Jesus allows us to enjoy healthy relationships. When we're focused on Jesus, when it's actually about him and our relationship with him, then what happens is we have this love for each other. We start to care about each other in, in new ways and in deeper ways, and we can come alongside and build each other up, and we, we develop these healthy, healthy relationships where we care about each other deeply. And that's, that's really a fundamental part of what it means to be a part of the church. It's, it's to have those relationships. It's to have those, those deep, caring uh, opportunities where we, we carry each other. So how do we do that? What's the practical living out of that, right? Like that's a good metaphor, that's cool, but then what are the things that we actually have to do in order to be the body of Christ for each other? Uh, so we're gonna talk about what it means to be the people of God, what it actually is in our lives as, as we try and live that out. The first thing that we have to do is show up, right? Showing up is half the battle, that's, that's the, the saying. And I recognize that I'm preaching to the church in this one, right? Like you guys are here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> so that means at some level you agree with me. <laughs> you recognize that it's important to be in church in order to be in these relationships. So this would be a great message for everybody that's not here. Like awesome. <laughs> uh, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. So I've heard this verse taught and it's usually used like a club and I don't want to do that. I want to explain it so that we can, can live it out a little bit better. Hebrews 10, starting verse 24, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So you see, don't neglect meeting together and... A lot of people will stand up when they teach this verse and they will say, so don't do that. Don't neglect it. Don't try and skimp out on church. You gotta be here every week and they guilt everybody into showing up. And you know what the thing about guilt is? It's a great motivator for like 10 minutes. And then it stops because you're like, well, how much is enough? How much, like, I don't know. And so we're just kind of like, yep, I shouldn't abandon the church. And then we kind of like, but this week, eh, whatever. 
that's not what he's saying. So we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but we do know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and here, the point is not, don't not go to church. It's how do you live out the Christian life in a practical way? How do you love each other? How do you be the body? And part of that is by not forsaking each other, by maintaining the relationships that we have with each other. Generally, what happens when we don't go to church is one of two things. Uh, the first one is that we kind of decide that me and God are fine and that we don't need anybody else. Like I have this relationship with God that's a good relationship, it's a healthy relationship, and therefore I don't need to come to church. And really when we read that verse, it says, it doesn't say like if you and God are fine then you don't need the church. It says stir up one another for love and good works and encouraging each other. So if you're in a good spot spiritually, then you ought to be going to church, not because you need church, but because church needs you. Like, you're the one that's supposed to go as a Christian that has a good relationship with Jesus. You're supposed to go and encourage other people to have a good relationship with Jesus, to point them to Jesus, to help them follow Jesus in a, in a deeper way, to encourage people that are suffering, that are struggling, because you're mature enough that you don't need help right now. Right, so the fact that you're mature and that you've got a great thing going and that, that you and Jesus are great, that's not a reason to not go to church. That's a reason to be in church. You're supposed to be encouraging the people around you. The second reason that a lot of us will sometimes avoid going to church is that we feel guilt or we feel shame. We feel like I'm actually not good enough to be around other Christians. Like I'm in a spot where I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, I can't go. So the people that are going, that are strong spiritually, need someone to encourage, <laughs> right? Like they can't just be there and like, oh, we're all super Christians. We're all encouraging each other. It doesn't work that way. They need, they, so if you're broken, if you're struggling, if you're going through a hard time, you need to be at church so that they can love you the way that Jesus called them to. Like you being a broken person at church means that the church gets to do its job, which is to love each other, to be the body, to help each other heal, right? There's somebody that needs to be encouraged to do the good works. There's somebody that needs to be built up. It's a part of the community that there are gonna be some people that are doing great and there are gonna be some people that are struggling and both of them need to be in the church because that's how the body is supposed to work. So who needs to be at church? People that are doing great, people that need encouragement. Quick show of hands, who falls into one of those two categories? Go ahead. If anybody doesn't have your hand up, I don't know what you're doing, man. <laughs> like that's literally the only two categories out there, right? Like you're either doing good or you need to be encouraged. Those are the only things out there, which means all of us need to be in church. There's not even a category that's like a third category that all the people that aren't here have like special access to. That's not a thing. There's, they're also in one of these two categories. They're just not here, right? This is, this is what it means to be the church. Either you're doing great and you show up to encourage other people or you're struggling and you show up to be supported, to be carried, to be built up. So showing up is a big part of what it means to actually be the church. So for some people, that means that you need to start coming consistently on Sunday mornings. Some of us struggle with that. That's just your next step is just show up every Sunday. For some people that are doing okay there, the next step might be, I need to get in a small group. I need to get in a life group and, and be you know, connecting to Christians at a little bit deeper level. For some of you that have families, that means bringing your kids to 412 or bringing your kids to Blast or showing up at the men's fellowship. Like It kind of depends on where you're at in your family life, what this actually means. But ultimately, it actually means that you show up. 
right? Like you actually connect with other people. So my first application question is this. How can I connect with the body of Christ more consistently? How can I connect with the body of Christ more consistently? Some of that's going to be here at Lakeside. Some of that might be attending a Bible study at work or attending like an after school group or there's lots of different opportunities to do that. I recognize that Lakeside Bible Chapel is not the only place that you can do that, but we do have several opportunities for that. So if it's a thing that you're struggling with, you can sign up. We'll get to that in a little bit. So the first thing that we see is that we need to show up in order to be the church. But then we think about the early church and we say, okay, what does it mean for them? How did they actually show that they were the body of Christ? So I want to turn, turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Um, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, it says this. This is right after Jesus went to, into heaven. Sorry, this isn't in Acts. This is Nate who just messed that up. Uh, Acts 2, Jesus just went into heaven and the apostles are teaching and preaching and all these people are coming to Jesus. They're all having this new relationship with Jesus and they're figuring out what does it mean that we're now followers of Jesus. They don't even really recognize that there's something unique, right? The church hasn't really grown into what it will be, but it's starting. And so this is the beginning of the church. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved." So this is the early church. This is the foundation of what grew into the global church. The thing was, is that they were devoted to each other and they were devoted to what it meant to be the church. So we're going to talk about what it means to be devoted to the apostles' teaching uh, when we talk about grow, right? And some of these other things are going to be in, in other categories, but they were devoted to fellowship. And you read through that and the relationships they had with one another They were going from each other's house every single day to have meals, to break bread together, and they were also going into the temple to be taught. So that's like home group and church service every single day, right? They are committed to each other. And then they're so committed to each other, they're they're like, you're struggling, I'm willing to sell what I've got in order to give it to you because I know that you have this need and I have the ability to fulfill it. That's a level of commitment that is insane, Like you think about that, like what does it mean for me to be devoted? You're like, okay, I go to church two, three times a week. I'm involved in a ministry or two. Like that's that's a big commitment outside of your normal job. You're like church twice a day and also giving a percentage of your income to other random people at the church because they're struggling and they've got needs. Like that's a whole nother level of commitment to one another. And we struggle with that. And, And I don't mean that we're necessarily doing worse than all the other people around us. But when we compare ourselves to the early church and their level of devotion to one another, I would be like, there's not too many of us that have achieved that level of devotion to the body. Um, We struggle sometimes with just calling each other up to pray. 
which is not that big of a commitment, right? You're like, hey, I know you're going through some hard times. I just want to know I'm there for you, and I'd like to pray for you. Like, that's, that's a 10-minute phone call, and that's a struggle sometimes. I'm like, oh, what are they going to think? They're going to think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm super spiritual. Like, whatever, get over it, and just be devoted to the people that you know that have needs, right? Like, just be there for each other. And so we look at that example, and I, I can't spend a ton of time on this because I'm, I'm rapidly running out of time, but if our connection is, is real, if we really have that spiritual connection, then we have to take steps to intentionally build it, to say, I love you, you're my brother or my sister in Christ, and because I love you and you're my brother or sister, I want to do this for you, whatever that is, whatever you need. And you have to be close enough to them to have a relationship where you can have that conversation. Okay, last, last thing. This is from Colossians chapter three. This is one of the things that sort of, oh yeah, I gotta cover my question. Did I miss that? I did, it's not in my notes. Uh, how can I be more devoted to the body of Christ? That's your application question. We will circle back around to that at the end, I promise. Uh, Colossians chapter three. This is a collection of random commands that we don't really notice very often because it's just like 40 different things and we don't realize the thing that lies underneath it is the body of Christ, right? So Colossians chapter three, starting verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must, put up, so you must forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord, to God. So the thing that sort of sits underneath all of this is love. And the thing about love is you can't do it by yourself. <laughs> right? If you look at that list, compassionate. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on humility. Put on meekness. Put on patience. Do you know who I need to be patient with? Not me. I'm great by myself, right? Like, I don't have to have a huge amount of patience. It says bear with each other, right? Forgive each other. That's an each other, a one another. We talk about all the times that the New Testament says one another. It just assumes that the Christian life is a bunch of us together and that none of us are perfect. Like that, that, the whole thing is just community-based. It's let peace rule. The peace is the one thing that you're like, oh, maybe I could do that on my own. Just sort of me being at peace. And then you're like, oh, because you were called the one body. You're like, oh yeah, that's the whole community peace, right? Even let the word of Christ dwell in you richly that you're like me and my devotions and me studying. And then how? Teaching and admonishing. That suddenly the way the word of Christ dwells in me has to flow out to the people that are around me right? You can sing by yourself in the shower. That one maybe you can get away with, but that, that's like the only one, right? Like it's not, none of these are there for us to do by ourselves. They assume the fact that it's a body that we're all together. And it very specifically assumes that we're all kind of a mess, right? Like put on compassionate hearts. If I'm great and I'm by myself, no compassion. When do I need to be compassionate? When you're struggling, like, even if I'm just struggling by myself, I don't need, like, me to be compassionate toward me. That's, like, assumed, right? If you're struggling, I need to come and say, wow, I recognize the pain that you're going through. I need to be there for you because I love you. Forgiving one another, that assumes that you've done something wrong against me. 
And yet, my call in Christ as part of being a body of Christ is to say, I forgive you, I love you, I want to rebuild this relationship. Like, I don't need to bear with someone that's, you know, kind and humble and meek and patient. Like, if we're all doing all these things, we're killing it. Half of them we don't even have to worry about. The forgiveness, out. I don't have to forgive. We're all amazing. We never offend each other. That's not the assumption. The assumption is we're actually going to step on each other's toes, that we're going to offend each other, that we're going to hurt each other's feelings a little bit, that we're all broken individuals that interact with each other in broken ways. And he says, okay, you're the body of Christ. The goal is that you love each other enough to try and work through that stuff. So we live in a broken world. We live even in a broken church, but we have to love each other sacrificially enough to try and fight through that. My third application question is this. How can I choose to love other believers this week? How can I choose to love other believers this week? And I told you we were going to not be super abstract. So now I'm going to review the application questions and I'm going to really stick it to you. So the first one, if showing up is half the battle, then my question is how can I connect to the body of Christ more consistently? Right? If, if I need to make sure that I'm showing up, how do I do that? Okay, come on Sunday. Commit to coming on Sunday. Just be here. It's not that difficult. You know where we are. You've been here before. Just show up. The second thing is come to a life group. Like if you're here and you're here consistently on a Sunday, I know that there's a temptation to walk in at like 10, 58, and sit in the back row and not really talk to anybody because you don't know these people or some of these people are weird or whatever. I get that. I understand that. Um, but the point is not for you to come and show up for, and, and talk to people for five minutes and then make your polite excuses and jet out. The point is you need to consistently be actually connecting with people. So commit to attending a life group. That means going on the hub and looking in groups. And if there's a group that, you just, okay, now it's join a group and then looking at the groups that are in there and saying, this is a group that I need to commit to. I'm going to tell the leader that I'm going to be there. And then for the next three months, I'm going to show up. Right? Like we have a bunch of new groups. There's enough. If you sign up, we'll find you a place, I promise. Those are long-term commitments. If you're terrified of a long-term commitment, then I would challenge you to figure out one thing that you can do. Right? Like, like I said, there's a men's fellowship on Friday. We've got the International Food Fest coming up. Come there and don't just show up and sit in your corner. Talk to people. Find out what small group they're a part of. Find out how they're connecting. And if you, you, know, you build that relationship, you can start from there. The second question, be devoted. How can I be more devoted to the body of Christ? Honestly, offer to serve. Get out of your little shell and say, where is a place that I can serve? We're going to talk about serving in a couple weeks. You can get a jump on that. Talk to some people. We need help in the AV booth. I know we're on like the backup to the backup. Uh, no offense. They know. I love them. Uh, the people on stage, like we need more musicians. We had some rough time during the month of August. We didn't have enough musicians. Blast is hurting for teachers and assistants. There's a lot of ministry. You can greet. There's a lot of things that you can do that don't require a huge amount of, of training for that you can just connect. Volunteer. Because what happens is you show your love by doing things for other people. If you can't do that, if there's really honestly no way you can serve, you have to intentionally build relationships to say, I love you, I care about you, and I want to be there for you. 
So if there's a person that you know that's struggling, that's hurting, reach out to them and say, how can I serve you? I want to just love you and show you that I care about you as my brother or sister in Christ. How can I serve you? And, and do that. You don't have to do it through our programs. Like we have programs, but you don't have to use those. You can just go do that on your own. The last thing, how do I choose to love other believers this week? <laughs> this one's a hard one. Because showing our love automatically means giving up something that we like. Like love is sacrificial. That's what, what the love of Jesus is. So how do you respond to a difficult person this week? How do you be like, okay, you're annoying, you're frustrating, but you're my brother or you're my sister, and so I'm going to respond to you in love with grace because you're a part of the body of Christ. You probably have at least one annoying Christian in your life. I'm just guessing, I don't know for sure, but my guess would be you have at least one annoying Christian in your life. How do you treat them with the love of Jesus this week? How do you know, how do you show them that you care about them as a brother or sister. The other thing is, choose to forgive. That's a tough one. And I know that that's a journey that's not like a one-time thing. We're like, oh, I'll forgive that person, then I'll move on. That's a lot of times the start of a long, painful journey. But if they're a believer, then you're supposed to do that for them. You're supposed to do that because you love Jesus. You're supposed to do that because you were forgiven. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that when we were alone, when we were abandoned, when we had rejected you, that you reached out in love, that you gave your son to draw us into a relationship with yourself. Uh, we thank you for that love, and we thank you for the fact that as a part of that love, you put us in your family, you put us in your body so that we can have other people that are around us that can encourage us when we're struggling, that we can encourage when they're struggling, that we can show your love to when they're going through some difficult things. I pray that as we as a body focus on connecting with one another, Lord, as a local assembly, that you would just give us the grace to show your sacrificial love in, in exciting and, and deep new ways that we would care about each other enough and reach out to one another enough that, that the rest of the world would actually see our love for one another. That, that our love for the body, for your body, uh, would be the thing that is a hallmark in, in this community and, and globally. Uh, help us to connect deeply with one another as a result of the fact that we have connected deeply with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Mm -hmm.